Let's pray. Father, I pray now that you'd use this time of the word to, Lord, build us and encourage us. And, Lord, for those that may be here that don't know you as their own personal Savior, that today would be the day they make room in their heart for you. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple years ago, I sat with Dr. Bookman and Clayton in our class in Bethlehem, just outside. We don't take time in our trip to uh, Israel to go down to the scene where they say that the actual cave was that Jesus was born because most places that they kind of are sure about, they turn into shrines and it doesn't look much like it looked then and so, and you have to pay a lot of money to get in. So we don't do that because we want people to really understand what it was like So just on the outskirts of Bethlehem, we sat on the side of a hill, there's a little church there, and looked across, and across the valley are these little caves to see what would happen. There's there's not a lot of wood in Palestine, and so uh, normally when you build a house, you would dig into the side of the hill and quarry out some stones, and then you'd use the stones to build your house, and what was left, that cave, and often there would be, you'd leave a stone there attached to the ground instead of breaking that loose and you'd carve a place out, be a manger for your animals to eat. So that little hole in the side of the hill became also the stable for your animals. Now often when we hear about the Christmas story, part of the Christmas story is, you know, Joseph comes into town from Nazareth to Bethlehem and he's going from Hotel 6 to Holiday Inn. He's looking for a place for them to stay. But there were no inns like that in those days. And Bethlehem was a very small little city. But it's a very important city. The, 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 the prophet Micah prophesied that the king was going to be born in Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now we read already that there was a census and that was probably a reason for him to go down. But actually what had happened, if you start the story a little bit earlier, you have to look at Matthew chapter 1 and also here in Luke 1 and 2 to see all of the story, put those gospel accounts together. What happened in Luke chapter 1 is first, there was another miraculous birth. Mary's cousin Elizabeth was way past children, childbearing age into her 60s. And they'd always wanted a child. Her husband was a priest. And he was ministering in the temple one day and an angel came. He, he, it was drawn by lots. And just a little side note, uh, Alfred Eichheim believes that Jesus was born someplace around the 25th of December because of the courses that are there. You had priests that served by, by line. And so as their course came up, and according to his course, in the time of the year, seems that you look at where John, John the Baptist was born about six months before Jesus, and that puts it about December. We don't know. It's not important the day, but it's good that we have the day that we celebrate. But first, an angel came to Zechariah, met him as he was putting the incense before the Lord there, and he said, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call his name John, and He was incredulous. He didn't believe. And the angel tells him, hey, listen, 
I stand before God. If I tell you something, it's going to happen. I'll tell you what, just so you know it's going to happen, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born. And right then, John was struck dumb. He came outside and he motioned for people. And he went home and his wife had a baby boy. Well, when that child was about six months along, another angel came and appeared to Mary up in Nazareth. If you read in Luke and Matthew, you see that both Mary and Joseph were of the kingly line. We talked about that last Sunday morning. And the angel said, you're highly favored among women. And you're going to have a a child. And she said, well, she wasn't unbelieving, but she said, well, how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to have a child. And if you read the account there in Luke 1, he also tells, the angel also tells her that your cousin is going to have a baby. That's big news. And he's going to be the forerunner that was prophesied in the Old Testament to come before the Messiah. So Mary gathers her things and she heads down south to see her cousin. And she's there about three months. So about the time she gets back home, John the Baptist is born to Zachariah and Elizabeth. By the time she comes back home, she's engaged to Joseph, and she's showing. We don't know whether she told Joseph this happened before she left or when she got back. It seems like she just really wanted to deal with this, so she got away. How am I going to explain this? Joseph was a godly young man. They, they could have been as young as teenagers. And when he finds out, he's heartbroken. He had every right to take her to the law and have her stoned. Because in those days, engagement was as serious as marriage. That was marriage. But an angel appears to him there in Matthew. And he says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what she's having is of the, is of the Lord. And you're going to have the Messiah His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, comes to earth, is born of a virgin, and becomes the God-man. He's 100% man, and he's 100% human. He's human that he might identify with us in our weakness. He could be a sacrifice that takes our place. And he's God, and therefore he's sinless. Well, the census comes, and... By that time, life's unbearable because he goes ahead and marries Mary. And you can imagine, if your daughter came to you and said this story, I'm a virgin, but I'm having a baby, and it's from God. Nobody's going to believe them. So I don't think they probably waste a lot of time sharing with. They just dealt with the bad publicity. And this was something that didn't happen in Israel to Jewish people. You just didn't get pregnant out of wedlock. And marriage is a big deal. There would be a huge celebration and people were going to come from Nazareth from everywhere they could so they could celebrate this marriage between Mary and Joseph. But then the word gets out, the bride is pregnant. No more celebration, just shame. There's a little town that probably Joseph was working at Probably the reason maybe he was up in Nazareth. It's called Sipphoris. It's a little place. It's a Herodian city. Jewish people lived there, but it was very Hellenistic, and it was 
Herod Antipas began to rebuild it after Herod the Great died and it had a theater to seat 4,500, 5,000 people. It was just, the Jews didn't live there, but they needed people to work on it. And Joseph being a craftsman probably lived there, but life probably became unbearable, not only in the city, but also on the job. So when this opportunity comes to go to Nazareth, he's not just going to do the census, he's moving to Nazareth. And he takes Mary and, tradition says, puts her on a little donkey and they walk the 90 miles, probably with another group of people because it's dangerous to travel by yourself in those days, all the way down to Bethlehem. And I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, well, at least I have my family there. Remember, he's of the house and lineage of David. And that's what's very important. That word, there was no room for them in the inn, is even more ominous and a little harsher even than no room at the hotel there because he was probably going to his family's place. Now that room for in is the same word, kataluma, the Greek word, that describes the upper room that Jesus met in the night before his crucifixion. Now if you had built your own house and you were middle income, you'd have to be wealthy, you would build your house, and on the top of your house, you would have this upper room. And the upper room was used for the time of feast, for Passover, like Jesus used it in Jerusalem, but also when honored guests came. So Joseph came with his very pregnant wife to his own family, thinking surely they have room in the upper room and his family thinking, well, we can't have these people stay in the place of honor. And they were turned away. And maybe someone had, in the family had a little grace and said, well, you can, you can stay in the stable. At least you'll be out of the weather. And Jesus' own family, Joseph and Mary's own family, missed the birth of the king by their choice. By their choice. We go on to read that at the same time, there were shepherds abiding in the field. And it's very interesting. These shepherds were probably keeping sacrificial lambs. They're just south of Jerusalem a little bit. But shepherds were considered unclean because they dealt with animals. So these lowliest of Israelites were out there keeping sheep by night. And God sends to them the angel to announce the birth of the king of kings. They were keeping watch by night and suddenly the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were so afraid. The angels are always saying this to us as humans. You know, when... the when an angel showed up to roll the tomb away to show that Jesus was not there anymore, those big, tough Roman soldiers fell in a heap in a dead faint. So if you think you can stand before the holiness and the power of God, we can't even stand before angels when they show up. But the angel said, don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now listen, 
Wrapping a new baby in swaddling clothes wasn't a sign. Every baby in that culture got wrapped as soon as it was born. The sign is, in Jewish culture, babies are not laid in mangers. But Joseph cleaned that place up and put Mary's son, his adopted son, into that manger because there was no room in the place of honor for the Savior of the world. And the angel, the, the shepherd's response once the angels had gone away said, let's go now into Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph at the babe lying in a manger. No room for him. No room. There is a phrase that we sang in joy to the world. It says this, let every heart prepare him room. There's a picture that often you see in homes or you see in homes. It's a picture of what somebody thinks Jesus looks like standing at the outside of the door and he's knocking. And if you look at that painting, there's no doorknob on the outside. The painter was trying to get across the idea from Revelation 3.20 that you have to open the door. You have to make a decision. Just because the Savior came, just because he died for the sins of the whole world does not mean it applies to your life. You must make a decision. If you look at the book of Romans, you have the first nine chapters that lay out the doctrine of salvation. The first three chapters say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Moral and religious people need a savior. Pagans need a savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. In chapter four, we read that salvation is by faith, it's not by works. In chapter five, we read a little history. How do we get in this mess? Adam sinned, Adam chose sin. And so death passed upon all men, the proof everybody sins, everybody dies. But we come to chapter 10 and he's laid out all this doctrine of salvation. And he's writing to people in Rome, some are believers, some are there with the believers like today. And he says, you know, the word is nigh you, Romans 10 verse 8. The word is nigh you, even in your heart and in your mouth, the word of faith we speak that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made, resulting in salvation. Every human being needs to have that conversation with God to make room for the Savior. What does that conversation include? Very simply, Lord Jesus, I understand that I'm a sinner. I'm lost without you. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. You might say, why couldn't Jesus just come to earth, go to the cross, you could be an adult, go to the cross, and then you go back to heaven and have it over with. Because just like we've been talking in this series about Christmas, he had to identify with us. We had to know him. Just like the Passover lamb, he was introduced in his ministry by John the Baptist as the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was born to die. 
And the Passover lamb, as instructed, would be chosen, a lamb without blemish, taken into the family every year. That little innocent lamb to snuggle up with the children at night to be a part of that family. And then at Passover, taken, the father would lay his weight upon the shoulder of that little lamb. And with one stroke, the priest would cut the throat of the lamb, catch the blood. Then the blood was put over the doorposts and the lentils of the house, and they would eat the lamb, signifying that they were saved. Jesus takes that picture in John 6, and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have none of me. And, and people went, well, what is that? Eat, eat his flesh. The disciples didn't understand either. And everybody else left but them. And Jesus, with a heavy heart, says, are you going to go away too? Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? Thou hast the words of life. The, other, the, the disciples didn't understand everything. They were convinced of one thing. It was only Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father by, but by me. They didn't know a lot about theology yet, but they knew that. It was through him. So Jesus explains to them, the words that I speak to you, they're spiritual and they're life. When we celebrate communion here in this church, and we pass out the grape juice and we pass out the unleavened bread, that doesn't give us salvation. It was his life by partaking, by that conversation, making room in your heart, that decision that every believer, every believer has made and every person must make or he'll stand for his own sins. The Bible gives a convinced version of the Christmas story in Philippians chapter two. And it says that the son of God was God, very God. He did not think his Godness something he had to grasp after, but humbled himself, taking upon him human flesh and humbling himself even unto the death of the cross. He took your place and my place. <laughs> The great gospel verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, our God is holy and he's righteous. He can't pass over. He can't just pass over sin and pretend like it didn't exist. There must be a payment. But the only payment would be that would he could accept is his only son because he came, he lived, and he was sinless. And he suffered with us. He was weak with us. Because of that, it says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was a human just like we are. And he was tested in all points just like we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. Jesus says, come unto me and all you that are weak and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The old gospel song says, there's room at the cross for you. The question this evening, because we can sing about Jesus in a manger. A lot of people like the idea of the story, but you need to understand something. Jesus is not a baby any longer. And he's not a suffering savior any longer. He's a glorified savior. And you get just a glimpse of that in Revelation chapter 1. John, who was so close to Jesus, 
He's the one at the last Passover that leaned back on Jesus' breast. He always wanted to be so close to Jesus. He calls himself in his gospel, I'm the one that Jesus loved. He never got over that. Because he was one, him and his brother were called the sons of thunder. They were the guys that when somebody wasn't from their little circle, they said, they're preaching over there, Jesus. Should we call fire down from heaven? Jesus says, no, 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 no. He knew about his own attitude and problem with his temper. And so he never got over the fact that Jesus loved him, John. And John was in the spirit of the Lord's day in Revelation chapter one, and he hears a voice and he recognizes the voice of that of Jesus. Except now he's the glorified savior. So this voice comes and it sounds like mighty rushing falls of water like Niagara Falls. And yet it was so distinctly Jesus that it was like the, the sound of a trumpet. And he turned to get just a glimpse of Jesus who he knew he missed and he loved. And the very presence of Jesus in his glorified body knocked John in a dead faint to his feet, to his, to his face. And what did Jesus do? He reached down and touched John. He said, don't be afraid, John. I, I'm he that was alive and then dead and I am alive forevermore. Jesus, that's him. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter two that one day every knee will bow. Whether you receive Christ in this life or not, one day you will bow and you will admit what you already know, that Jesus Christ is worthy to be worshiped. But there, it will be past hope. It's just in this life we have hope. It doesn't have to happen at a church. It's not part of church membership or anything religious, but it's you making room in your heart for Jesus by humbly bowing before him, recognizing your need and his power to save. Is there room today for Jesus? Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Father, what a, what a story. You sent the one who spoke the worlds into existence to be born in a manger. And the first announcement goes to sheep herders. And then foreigners from another land when the Magi came. What an amazing, amazing mystery, the gospel. And yet you revealed it unto us. You've given us this wonderful story. Lord, I pray that especially this time of the year that we would be sensitive to opportunity to share that story as believers. And Lord, you know hearts this morning, this evening. Lord, I pray if they're to hear that for the first time they recognize they've not made room and they know they need to. Lord, draw them to yourself. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.